Hi everyone, it's Paola Diana and you're watching Unleashed the Game Changers. Today's guest is a dear friend of mine, a successful entrepreneur, Akinoe Omoboriolo II. Thank you, Akin, to be here with us. Thank you, Paula. It's a, it's a good pleasure to be here. I know you are coming from Paris, right? And you were yes. in Washington yes. and before, I guess, you were in Africa. So you're constantly traveling around the world. Yes. What are you doing exactly? So as um, energy developers, specifically infrastructure development in the energy sector, Genesis um, develops projects around um, communities that otherwise are underserved by electricity or industries, uh, countries that have specific requirement for clean power. Uh, as you know, Africa, less than half of uh, the African population have access to a modern form of reliable electricity. Um, and so for us as uh, power developers, it's both uh, a passion, a commitment to the growth and development of our continent, and as well as a viable business enterprise. And so we believe that um, what we do is the convergence between um, being opportunistic as a, as a capitalist. Of course. And at the same time, uh, being able to provide some measure of input into the socioeconomic development of over 1.2 billion people. So to that sense, we get very altruistic fulfillment for what we do. And that's amazing. That's it really is. amazing. Because I know you come from a privileged background in Africa, but you're also thinking about who is not so privileged. So sure. you are giving back. Absolutely. But I think there's a twist to it. So yes, um, I, I do hail from a private background, but just like most families, you would every now and then experience economic turbulence, particularly when the breadwinner faces some sort of financial misfortune, sure. which my father did face. Oh, it happened to you as well. It happened. It happened to him. Um, thank God he got out of it, but it was an extended period. And like you say in Africa, we have to tighten your belt. Um, and we did tighten our belt, but that was a very good period because in my opinion, I do believe that some good characters are formed in adversity. I, I strongly agree with you, 100%. And so, uh, and this, this also, I was no different. The experience of going through those economic difficulty uh, that my father experienced and therefore the family experience um, did in very, very great respect shape the entrepreneurial spirit amazing how old were you when this happened um i believe i was just passing crossing over to university so this would be i was over 17. okay and in which country exactly did you grow up nigeria in the main city or in the countryside? so we grew up um, between cities my father was a governor he was before that uh, an administrator in university before that was a lawyer and um but as always uh, most nigerians or even most um uh, Anglophones would always have the Easter holidays, summer holidays, Christmas in London. So the, it's difficult to tell exactly where you live, even as, as a kid, because you're constantly traveling. London is, is an extension of Lagos. Yeah, so it was already home for you. So it was, yeah, so it's always been an agreeable place to come to, an exciting place to visit as, as a kid. And as an adult, um, I set my focus on putting up. Uh, the operating infrastructure here. Um, given the the bird's eye view, so we have investment in various countries in Africa, and it's so difficult to be involved to set your headquarters 
right in the middle of those operations because right. then you lose strategy you become tactical you get involved with day to day too much with the politics i guess also yes also to, to a lesser extent the politics but more is the getting involved with full-time administrative and operational um ob uh, obligations of the of the various businesses but when you're set out you have the bird's eye view sure over your various operations and it gives you also gives the management teams of the various companies the um should i say the the room to grow and the room to operate outside of your physical presence absolutely so you studied in london as well right yes um, university Oxford, yeah. okay and um the background is economist financial economist and then put graduates in strategy and innovation in oxford um and of course intermittently various courses in London Business School, the LSC, and so on and so forth, uh, in terms of educational capacity building. And which are the countries in Africa where are you investing the most? I would say that today our biggest investment is Nigeria, for sure. And perhaps we own one of the largest um, commercial off-grid power business in that country. We also have investments in other countries, Rwanda, Zambia, Sao Tome. It's a small plant we have there. Um, we went before in Bissau, in Ghana. Um, but yes, so we have we have a few countries that we're investing in. Uh, recently signed uh, a power development MOU in Mali, which is north of Senegal. And when you're talking about energy, you're talking about oil and gas, electricity. So pr primarily, it would be electricity. It would be uh, clean energy. Clean energy, gas to power as well as solar. And recently, we set up a small unit to focus on small hydro. Because, you know, there, Africa is thousands and thousands of miles of rivers and streams. Yeah. And this natural resource could be put to use. Of course, there is the challenge of where the rivers or streams are located versus where the market would be. And you have to, therefore, uh, so it's a lot of hard work finding the optimum location where you can put a small hydro project and where the customer base is not so far away. Sure. Otherwise, transmission become a challenge. The size of the project is a challenge and then the viability um, you know, becomes questionable. That's great, because I, I know you once said that you want to light up Africa, one community at the time, correct? Correct, that's the vision. So we, if you, if you rewind to 2005, when we came up with that vision statement, lighten up Africa, one community at the time, um, uh, power development as a commercial enterprise was not a business on the continent. The continent was primarily dominated by public sector utility um, and government decided to make consciously make the decision to find a way to attract private investment uh, into into that sector because uh, like most governments in Europe and America um, African government uh, focusing more and more on policy thrust and uh, macroeconomic um, issues and allowing private business to drive commercial enterprises because you know, private enterprise is just more efficient of course by capital yeah. and so on and so when we started out it was um it was um it was clear to us that you had to bite the elephant a piece at a time i like that <laughs> so take a community take an industry take a country focus on it structure the best uh, source of energy for that country if it's gas if it's solar if it's hydro and find a way to combine the factors of production to make that project viable to attract investment the first six years was impossible Wow, so it's tedious. We had to, every dollar 
we had to sell our shoes and our boats. Every revenue that we had, we were constantly reinvesting back into the power business because the, st the, the structure to enable foreign investment into the past sector in Africa wasn't there. There were no laws in place to protect investment. The energy regulators that will ensure a very transparent, well-organized sector were not there yet. And so in that respect, Nigeria is perhaps one of the few first countries to move way ahead of the pack in, um, in enacting the law in 2000 and 2005, um, and the, which is called the Electricity Power Sector Reform Act. And you helped in this uh, As a matter of fact, act. I moved down to Abuja in 2005 to, to chase up. I was sure. Yeah, but you have to do act. that. You know, yes. If you have a vision as an entrepreneur, sometimes you have to help politicians to understand the vision Absolutely. and to understand that it's good for their community, the, the place. Absolutely. Correct. That's great, but you're very strong and resilient, so that's why you could succeed, correct? Because if not, if you would have given up the first year, the first indeed. two years, so you would have you know, failed. Indeed, indeed. If, if we didn't take the time to understand the business, if we didn't take the time to, to be clear about the factors of production that we needed, uh, if we didn't understand the challenge that we're going to face, because it's really, really challenging, even at the best of times, with all the laws in place and with the industry evolving on a positive note, um, in various countries in Africa, is still a very tedious business. You know? Sure. Um, the, you can see the signs in the gray hair. It's not the age. It's the <laughs> Come on. It's the, it's the stress of, the, of trying to develop project and as well mm. to run it. So, yeah, it's a high amount of stress. It's high, high intensity in terms of time, energy burned. Um, it's very detailed. So you're constantly reviewing contract structures, documents, uh, proposals, you have to be very good with uh, uh, coordinating uh, a, a plethora of advisors, of consultants, I'm sure. of various team members in various countries. Yeah, that's the, the key also, no? yes. various countries. So. Yes, various countries. And coordinating all of this into a determined positive end. But it's beautiful, you know, that you are coming from that country. So you also want to take care of the interests of the country. You know, you're Indeed. not just going there to take the money and make business and profits and run away. Indeed. Because this is what happened in the past, you know. And I think uh, Africa can flourish only if mm. people invest uh, really, you know, in sure. the development of the communities and stays there, you know, keep the money there and uh, wants to the, the country to grow, to flourish. Correct. So do you also have, I don't know, some nice story about a community that you change with your project? So I think that one of the, um, one of the good stories that we like to tell was our involvement in Guinea-Bissau, um, which at the, at the time um, was a country that was determined to save itself from its political issues yeah. and, and to advance the, the growth of the country. And we had uh, been contracted to build the first independent power project in the country. Now, but before we did that, we worked with the national utility called Electricity de Agua uh, Guinea-Bissau, EAGB, to reconstruct the electricity distribution network in the capital. Okay. And to help assist in rehabilitating the uh, existing power plants in the country, which at the time, uh, almost all of it were not functioning. And so we, uh, at our cost, deployed our engineers to support the CEO at the time, Mr. 
How many years ago? This is 2006, 2005. 2006, 2005. How long did it take? This so that project? was about 14 years ago. Okay. And it was a fast track project. We, we supported. Then there was a conference that was going to happen in July 2005 or 2006, my brain is, um, which is the, what they call the Lusophone Conference, which is the conference of all Portuguese-speaking African countries. And the government at the time was determined to ensure that there was power in the capital uh, and it was reliable and, and uh, people could grab other businesses and it could stimulate some sort of social, uh, positive social orbit, uh, especially for uh, entertainment and so on and so forth. And that, um, just being able to experience before the, those power plants were fixed, when by 6 p.m. the entire capital is already going dark. Oh, wow. Um, this is, you know, it's very tedious. Apart from those that could afford to buy their own private generators, almost everywhere was, 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 was dark. Blackout. And that would increase uh, insecurity, which, which I'm sure it did. I don't have the data. Um, it would violence as well. Violence in, in general, and of course, if people cannot socialize, everyone is locked in their houses. The the I call it the happiness coefficient obviously would be much lower. But the happiness coefficient, which is really how we should measure, uh, I how, love this coefficient. <laughs> how how a country is progressing. Post as soon as there was power in the streets, as soon as there was electricity everywhere, that happiness coefficient. You could visibly touch it because it changed. Folks could go to restaurants. Beautiful. They could go out to the street side bars. They could do whatever, right? Kids could read under the street lights. They could they could play outside without being locked in, you know, locked in their homes for yeah, safety. Yeah, no, energy is everything. It and is. here in this country, you know, in many other countries, we give it for granted. We don't understand how lucky we are. Indeed. But without energy, you don't have a refrigerator. You don't have lights. You don't have you know air conditioning. You don't Indeed. have you know heating. You're right. And even in Nigeria, where we have um, more electricity in terms of uh, capacity, maybe not in terms of uh, per capita for the, for the country, but in terms of just the size of it, we had invested in produce together with General Electric and Engro Corporation, uh, invested in building an 84 megawatt off-grid plant, uh, which today an 84 megawatt plant would probably, just to give you a sense of what is like, probably power a reasonable portion of London. Wow. Um, but this refinery is the largest um, complex refinery in sub-Saharan Africa, um, producing something like uh, 210,000 barrels a day of refined product from, from, from crude oil. Um, but one of the biggest challenges for that refinery was there was no power. Incredible. And in being able to invest and work with the NMPC, work with the Nigerian government, have been given the opportunity by NMPC to invest in building that power plant to turn around electricity uh, production and supply for the refinery um, created significant impact on how the refinery was run. And the multiplier effect in the economy, uh, if measured, will be quite substantial because uh, we import a lot of our refined petroleum products. Uh, when the refinery works, and sometimes it doesn't because of tanker issues, but when it does work and it works very well and you have very serious managers there uh, trying to make sure that that happens, it reduces how much fuel that we import, which runs into billions of dollars a year. Sure. And that saves foreign exchange, which reduces impact 
on the pressure on the demand for dollars and improves uh, the relative performance of the economy. So it's crucial. Energy yeah. is the foundation of life. It's beautiful. But go back to the beginnings. I, I really want to understand better. So when you finished university, you had this idea immediately and you founded your company or you went to work in other companies and you waited for the right time? Funny, when I, when I finished university, I was clear that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, where to go was a bit uncertain, but I'd started to work with my father and some of, and some of my friends, even while I was in college. Like I back said, in, in Nigeria? Back in, back in Nigeria. Okay. And the notion was that my father was involved with um, uh, oil contracts. Yeah. And so I would, during the holidays, work with him, um, you know, go around with him and in, in, in transacting some of his businesses. And learning from him. I learned a lot. A major lot from him. It just, uh, I learned patience, perseverance, focus, and persistence. So important. There would All always be the no, no, no. But you've got to keep going until it turns to yes. Never give up. Never, ever give up. And never sell your dream to nobody. I love it. Because the, the origin of your dream um, it's not the same as the outcome that everyone sees. And that is why even if anyone steals your business plan, it is mainly highly unlikely that you can succeed with it. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's in your mind. It's so your passion. Intang it's intangibles. Yeah. yeah. Only you can yes. really give life to your business plan. Yes. It's a yeah. child. Yeah. That's, that's why they say we are gods, small g, right? Because we're creative. And if you allow, and, and that entrepreneurship, it's a form of creativity. You're bringing something to life out of nothing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So when I started out, I was very, very unsure of where the path was going to lead. But I was clear that I wanted to do something great. I wanted to do something that was impactful. And I wanted to do something that would prosper so that uh, my father doesn't need to work so hard. Um, I was young and strong. And oh, I love it. So you wanted to give back to your family as well. Indeed, for sure. That was a major driving force. Oh. That this man has worked so hard for so long, I think it's time to retire. Oh, beautiful words. And you did it. You made it. Yes, thank God. Made it that in time he departed. My father departed in 2012, 10th of April. Uh, he was 81 years old. He lived very strong and very healthy life. He was very faithful to his God. In my opinion, I do believe that the, that the success that came to me early um, enabled me to make his life very comfortable before he departed. And so for that, I'm grateful for that opportunity. And that's one of your main accomplishments, I guess. It's, I think it's one of the best to be able to look after your family. It's beautiful. You know, when you have this kind of goals, you know, motivation, everything becomes easier yes. because you're not doing something only for yourself or Correct. for money, but Correct. you're doing it for others. Correct. It's not out of greed. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. So at the very beginning, you were with some business partner, with a friend, or you were only by yourself and you started hiring people? In the very beginning, I was by myself and we did a lot of things. I mean, I started out selling tin kerosene. Friends, of course, will always help out wherever they can. You will look for those that may share the same passion to show you can work together, mainly, you know, to, to sell this product that we have. But primarily for me was the tangent for my father was to myself and I was alone for quite some time before uh, it was then clear that listen this business is growing 
the revenues are coming in and the opportunity was huge, I needed to find a good partner. Yes. That I could work with. Um, and I did. Uh, I, I did find a partner at the time. Um, we worked together for about four years. He was a friend of yours already? It was a friend of mine. It was a friend of mine. Worked together for about four years. He was in the service sector and I was, um, I started off on marketing oil. Now to trading oil. So, so we joined forces to see how we can increase the presence of the company at the time in the oil service sector. Whilst at the same time, he benefits from revenues from the oil trading. And it was very good. It was very helpful. Um, the burden of leadership was shared. The yeah, that's also helpful, I guess. Because helpful. when you are an entrepreneur, you're lonely m m most of the time. You know, People, th they don't understand that. But it's you are. You have a lot of responsibilities on your, your shoulders. Sometimes yes. you don't sleep at night. Yes, yes, that comes with the territory. Yeah. Indeed. Sleep is uh, not your best friend. But you have to find a way to find to strike a balance. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, th that's the most important thing. But how would you describe your beautiful country? I I'm really in love with Africa, you know, and uh, I, I really want to understand more how it is through your eyes. Africa as a continent is, um, is beautifully endowed. I mean, when I go from one country to the next, yeah, because you travel constantly. I, I think you I'm are the expert. <laughs> yeah. I think that I think that outside of North Africa, I've been to Morocco, to Egypt, uh, and to Algiers. But almost all of Sub-Saharan Africa and Southern Africa, I think, have been almost everywhere. But the fact is that the the biggest beauty of the continent is the people. Yes, I agree. The positive energy, the the keenness to help, to assist a stranger. Um, and the welcoming, the welcoming hand. They're, they're, so the people for sure, and in every society there's always good and bad people. Uh, but Africa is endowed with very, it's ultra good. Um, and so if you, if you take a, if you take this white wall and you tell someone to look at it, the first thing they will notice is the black spot. They're yeah. not going to see most of all this beauty around. They're just going to yeah. say, yeah, but there's a black spot there. So yeah, so we have some black spot characters of funny, funny fellows here and there, but um, that doesn't um, take away from the beauty of the people. Of course, the second is nature. I know. It's, it's amazing. Just, it's just fantastic. I know. I mean... Which is the country that you love the most, well, nature-wise? Well, I have to be biased that I start from my country, Nigeria. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, you know, we're just, it's just, uh, Nigeria is the bundle of energy. It's, I mean, down from a little kid, there's an energy that that can-do spirit is there. Um, so Nigeria would be the first, of course, because I know it so well. Uh, but I think that aside from that, you have all the beautiful countries. Benin, which is next to Nigeria. A smaller country, 10 million people, but very organized, um, well-administered. There will always be political issues uh, everywhere. We say that politics is about power struggle. So yeah. wherever there's past struggle, there will always be accusations and counter-accusations. But you're positive for the future. Uh, I mean... I'm positive for today. Good. Positive. <laughs> That's why we travel freely. That's why we're investing in Senegal, in Rwanda. Rwanda is, a, as you know, is a beautiful gem in Africa. It's an example of how uh, a country has been able to remove itself from uh, so many of the, of, of the crisis, yeah. political crisis, 
you know, you know about the genocide and so on and so forth. But they've not wallowed in self-pity. Yeah. They've, you know, they've taken the challenge, they've taken the bull by the horn, and um, it's not perfect. Nowhere is perfect anywhere in the world. But they've been able to make something out of their country. And it's a painful process. I know. You I cannot I build anything. Can imagine. You can't make an, an omelette without breaking an egg. It's not possible. So there will be pain here and there. But the majority of what is happening in Rwanda and the beauty of that country, which is the sheer beauty, outstrip whatever negative that anyone may see. Beautiful. No, I, I remember you told me. I really want to go. I've never been. You should. I, it's, I call it uh, Monaco without the sun. I mean, sorry, without the glamour and without the, uh, without the water. It's a beautiful place. It's a country that's set on thousands of years. And it's just, it's just, it's just wonderful. And what about uh, the wildlife? What do you think? It's beautiful. I mean, from, from the, uh, uh, the, the white gorillas in Rwanda that we just talked about. Yeah, I can't wait to, to see them. Seriously. You, you need to. I know. You need to. And, you know, they're just... If you start from Mor uh, Mauritania, go down to Senegal, and spend a lot of time in Dakar, go to Gori Highland, Sali, these places come down to uh, Gambia. It's a holiday destination for everybody. So you come down all the way down to Southern Africa. It's just... You just... You can spend... 40 years traveling from one country to the next. I'm sure. Yeah. So the people, the nature, the food, the culture, um, it's very, very comforting. And what about climate change? How is it affecting Africa, in your opinion? I mean, do you see the effects? I think that, like most people, we know that climate change is real, at least the impact of it. Yeah. The science of it, I don't know. Uh, I try to read it up, frankly. Uh, these projects keep distracting me. But mm. we're, we're already feeling some of the impact in Africa. You have, especially in Southern African region, where most of the countries rely on hydro. Hydro is cheap. Hydro used to be very reliable. And it provided the bedrock for socioeconomic investment of those countries for many decades. But today, um, you have drought yeah. in occurrence. Zambia is load shedding. It's terrible. This never used to happen. But mainly it wasn't because of the fact that the government didn't plan, but the rate of uh, of impact of the climate change, the impact on on those dams that enables them to produce hydropower, it's become really, really significant. Uh, Zimbabwe's gotten, I understand, as high as 18-hour blackout a day, wow. mainly because the dams are drying up. Unbelievable. Yeah, there's there's the deforestation going on, where most forests are turning to deserts, rivers are drying up. It's so sad. Something must be causing it. Um, and yeah, most people suspect what we do as humans, absolutely, it's absolutely. pollution for sure. So, we need to be more conscious and more environmentally responsible in what we do and how we do it. And big companies who are exploring, who are you know digging the earth here and there, uh, the pollution that we all bring to earth, we have to be sensible about it. This earth has been around for a long time, we should leave it. Generations and it's the only one we have. Yes. That's why it's unbelievable how people, you know, don't think about the future of this planet for our yeah. children. Yeah, indeed. It's, um, but I think that my, my opinion is that um, the good thing is that the government everywhere in the world are talking about it. Uh, industries, are, especially within the oil sector, they are... Uh, you think they're conscious now? They understand? I think they're becoming more and more conscious. But, you know, there are businesses mm -hmm. that run 
I can't just pack up in one day. Yeah. Everything takes time. Yeah. There's not going to be a magic wand that everybody all of a sudden becomes responsible. I know, but scientists say we don't have time, you we know? Don't. We have to act immediately. Yes. Again, that, um, that's cost for the government. The government have to, they're the only ones that have the power to enact laws. I know. And, and also to enforce it. And unfortunately, many governments around the world, they still don't do what they should. And they're too swamped in running the affairs of the government day to day that thinking about the weather is not particularly on their mind. <laughs> Yeah, and what Yeah, I know. And what about Nigeria? They are uh, conscious about this. Yes, doing yes, something? very active. They, it's not just in Nigeria. Most of the countries that I visit in Africa, they have ministries of environment set up specifically for this purpose. Um, and uh, there's a lot of funds available, you know, from the EU, uh, even from the Americas, and so on and so forth, that that can be accessed to undertake various studies to help. Um, you know, to to reduce this pollution. And for Africa, I think one of the biggest pollution would be biomass, the burning of of, of, of the bush. Yeah. Because you have over 600 million people, uh, or also the figure says, that are without modern form of electricity. And so they're burning this, they're burning bush every day, they're cutting down the trees. Um, deforestation is happening. It's terrible. Those are all part of the environmentally unfriendly behavior that um, that have been changed and that will be changed with more uh, with, with better access to energy to, to clean energy, energy. Yeah. and here we are yeah. <laughs> to what you're doing and that's what Genesis is here for we had to both motivate others to invest mm -hmm. we understand that Genesis cannot light up Africa by itself it's impossible for, for for years to come but if we're able to succeed in some project as we are doing um, we are hopeful that this should encourage others to do the same. And the more people that can invest on the continent, the better for the continent. And do you think this is happening now? China is, is investing a lot, right? Yes. Well, funny enough, I, I, I know that China has been uh, very supportive of African governments in financing large infrastructure projects. Uh, I'm, I'm not really aware of the private sector Chinese investment as equity investors onto the continent. I think that most of their investment has been driven on the government-to-government government side. Yeah. Um, the private-to-private -private is mainly happening on trade, buying stuff from manufacturing things from China and exporting them into uh, Africa. Um, but, you know, the, 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 I'm sure that um, even for China, who recently set up uh, an organization that will enable equity investment into Africa, we need, we need every investment that we can get. But for now, our traditional partners that we deal with in, in the OECD countries are, are extremely supportive of Genesis investment. And we see them supporting so many other companies. Uh, so the more, the more of these companies that can grow, the more entrepreneurs that can bite the bullet. Sure. And the focus and serious enough to, to do the hard work, I think the better for the continent. And are you also supporting some charities? Yes, yes. The, we have many charities that we support. I sit on board uh, quite a few charities. We have Lifeline, for example, in Africa, in Nigeria in particular, that um, caters for accident victims. Uh, as you know, I serve on the board of the Global Thinkers Forum. Yeah. Whilst it's not a charity, but the, the notion of what we do in the Global Thinkers Forum, which is founded on three pillars, women empowerment. Uh, uh, youth Fundamental for every country. 
fundamental. And also, you know, Africa. Yeah. Uh, youth development and, of course, accountable leadership. The, the in fostering this dialogue and these conversations around uh, women empowerment, around uh, youth development, um, and of course accountable leadership, I think that it, um, it, it, for me, it appeals to my soul. It, it's important that we all be more responsible and more responsive to other people's needs. And and uh, we all and listen also yeah, from other people in order do. to understand yeah. what they really need. Absolutely, and do the right things. No one's going to be perfect, but at the minimum, I don't think that uh, uh, we should. We all have just one life each, and that one life is very important to everybody. Yes, we absolutely. And I came. I never asked you, but uh, have you ever experienced here in London or in Sawaras in the world racism? Well, I would say that the benign, of the benign notion, I, personally, I don't look for this because it's the victim mindset. Of course, I know. And, and, and definitely you're not a victim. So. Not <laughs> you can be everything, but not, not that, I'm I not know. a victim. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, in many ways, I said to people that uh, the world is tribal. Yeah. Everyone is tribal. So when I walk into the room, if I walk into a restaurant, right, if I was alone in a restaurant, or I walk into a bar, uh, and if I was interested in socializing, yeah. I look for those who may have some traits that I like, uh, similarities that I'm used to, yeah. a notion of comfort, the things that I know. Mm. So in that sense, everyone is tribal. Um, but I think the prejudice of not respecting other people for who they are, what they are, I think that's where the problem is. Correct. So have I, have I experienced that? I think I have. Um, has it in any way, shape or form affected me mentally? Never. Because I put it down to the individual's ignorance. Yeah, of course, it is ignorance. So I actually, I feel bad for him yeah. to behave such inappropriately. But beyond the, the pity that I have for such individuals in their souls, um, I, I believe that, like everything else, it takes time. I'm a strong believer in the process of time. I know. I know, and it, it will change, it will change. Good I time. agree with you. The same for, you know, the achievement of women's rights everywhere That's in the right. world. I'm sure it will happen everywhere in the world. At it some point, take women time. couldn't even vote. Can you believe that? I yeah. mean, I think about it and I'm like, what do you mean women can't vote? I mean, I who, know, it's unbelievable, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Now it's crazy. Yeah. But for centuries, right. it, it was normal. Of, even in England, everywhere. Yeah. So, but in the process of time, uh, good always, always prevails. Yeah, I agree with you so much. That's why I think we have the same, you know, vision for the future and positivity. Uh, and positive, exactly. And we get along so well. Exactly, positive energy. Uh, I like that. It's yeah. so important. It is. Everywhere, mm -hmm. yeah. Now it's the time for the final five. Wow, oh. that scares me, the final five. <laughs> okay. okay, please answer as quick as you can. Hmm. You gotta listen hard now. What is your spirit animal? It'd be an ego. I love that. What's one thing people would never know about you just by looking at you? That I'm religious. As a Christian. If you were a superhero, what would be your superpower? I can fly, so I don't need to take planes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. What have you learned from your past relationship? Just to be more uh, accommodating and kind. What is the meaning of life? 
happiness and fulfillment. Go out and do. Beautiful. And if you're happy, try to make other people happy. By extension. When I'm happy, positive energy would spill over. Yeah. You're such a great example, seriously. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I'm you. sure you're a role model. Absolutely. 100%. Well, I, I struggle sometimes when I make my own mistakes, but yes, I... We all do. We all do. But the important thing, I guess, is learning from our mistakes, yes. correct? Correct. And try not to repeat the same correct. mistakes. Correct. Correct. No, this is true. And, um, but there's always going to be new ones. Yeah. That's why maybe we need another life, I guess. <laughs> One no. is not enough. So what's your next project? The next project for us is um, on how to transport gas, liquid gas, to as many companies, as many communities as possible, who otherwise will not have access to this clean gas because either the countries don't have it and it's so expensive to build liquefied uh, natural gas facilities, billions of dollars. Um, and so this for us is very high on our map and we are... It's challenging to do this? It's very, very challenging. It's enormously challenging, it's enormously expensive, but we're, we're working with various partners across the globe to do exactly that. So one day you will come here to tell me how it went. <laughs> As we say, God willing, in 12 months hence. Wow, so fast. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, thank <laughs> you, Kim, seriously. It's a pleasure to have Hello, you here. You. I love to hear your story. And uh, thank you for sharing. And thank you for your time. I know it's precious. No, no, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for watching Unleash the Game Changers. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please leave a comment below. I really want to hear a voice. I want to know what do you think about the topics we're talking here and also who do you think I should interview the next time. And also share via your social media with all your friends. Thank you. Bye.